Mixing your metaphors is always a dangerous possibility for somebody who speaks a lot, and that's something that I've done a number of times uh, in sermons, and you always kind of hesitate and say, well, maybe that didn't quite come out right, and it conjures up humorous and often confusing images. Uh, I've uh, read recently about a recent national political election. Somebody wrote online uh, bemoaning how poor the candidates were that they were going to have to vote for in their particular political party. Uh, Let's see if I can get this right. This is some awfully weak tea to have to hang your hat on. So hang your hat. That that doesn't seem quite right. Uh, Speaking of politicians, George W. Bush was pretty famous for mixing his metaphors, wasn't he? Uh, In uh, in a debate with John McCain, uh, he accused McCain of trying to have it both ways, and, and he said, quote, Now you can't have it both ways. You can't take the high horse and the low road at the same time. The, the high horse and the low road, um, I'm not sure about that either. Um, I actually uh, heard of a preacher, this is a true story, uh, and it was clear this preacher had uh, gotten pretty far afield from his prepared notes, and he was just talking, and, and I think he could probably tell that there was confusion on the faces of all of the people who were there listening to his sermon, and so he finally mixed his metaphors, and he said, uh, you know, I, I see y'all aren't really following me on this. I'm, I'm really just shooting off the top of my head. Um, well, you can speak off the top of your head, and you can shoot from the hip, but shooting off the top of your head sounds pretty painful. But every once in a while, every once in a while, there are two metaphors, though different, that are so closely related and that complement one another so well that mixing your metaphors actually works. And I think that's exactly what we see in our Bibles in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Like the image of being rooted and grounded. Two separate metaphors, but two metaphors that go perfectly together. And on this first day of the Lord's, first day of the week, Lord's Day, first day of the year, I'm excited to introduce our congregational focus for 2023, Rooted and Grounded. Rooted is a metaphor from agriculture, right? It refers to roots that go into the ground. But grounded is a metaphor from architecture. It describes a foundation, a solid foundation. But they are used together in a powerful way in Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse 14 together. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Paul prays for the brethren in Ephesus and he says this. For this reason... I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I love that, that you might be able to comprehend that which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us in verse 16, Christ dwelling in us in verse 17, and now the fullness of God, God the Father, dwells in us when we are rooted and grounded. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think 
according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Notice especially verse 17 where he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love might be able to comprehend and know and do and have God dwelling in you and all of the things that he describes in this prayer for the brethren. What a beautiful prayer. And what a, what a prayer that I hope that we're praying for the congregation here, that we might have this same attitude and outlook and knowledge in us. Rooted and grounded describes a, a foundation, a starting point, a beginning, a source of continual support and nourishment like roots that go down into the ground. It, it describes the most stable and irremovable part of anything. You think about that. What is the most stable and irremovable part of anything? It is the roots and the foundation. Uh, just outside of our breakfast nook at, uh, at our house, this was a picture that was taken in September, and things had gotten a little out of hand, a little out of control, but the lantanas had just gone crazy in this flower bed. And it was awesome because, you know, butterflies and hummingbirds would come, and there was always stuff going on, beautiful blooms, beautiful flowers, and I went out um, this morning, actually, and took a picture. And this is what those lantanas look like now, dead. Dead as a doornail. It's what they look like, right? And yet, for the years that we've lived in this house, these lantanas were planted long before we got there. Every January, before February 1st, we go out and we just cut them all down. Cut them down to the ground. Cut them down as far as we possibly can. And come springtime, what happens? They come out, and they bloom, and they take over the flower bed like this, and we've got to do it all again next year. It appears to be dead, but if the roots aren't dead, then the plant's not dead, right? So we think about this foundation as something that, that allows us to continue to live, that allows us to bounce back even in times of turmoil, even in times of difficulty. If you hadn't killed the roots then you haven't really killed the plant, at least not yet. And the same thing is true with the foundation. The foundation is the last thing that you find, the last thing that is left. And we think about archaeologists, and they're going and they're looking at cities, and they're looking and finding stuff. What are they finding? Very rarely it's, it's full buildings. Usually it's just some foundations, some, some bottoms to some walls, some cornerstones, those sorts of things. And, and even with that image, we're going to talk in a moment about how we're a temple and we're built on a foundation of Jesus. But even if we think about Herod's great temple that was constructed uh, around the, first century, the beginning of the first century, we think about that great temple. And we remember that Jesus prophesied about that temple what? Do you remember? Not one stone will be left upon another. And that's exactly what happened in 70 AD. The Romans came in and, and they were so intent on destroying this rebellious Jewish race that they used their soldiers and their slaves and they pulled down the temple and the buildings of the temple and they didn't just pull down those stones, they threw them off of the temple mount in great piles and not one stone was left upon another. And yet, you think about that and you say, well, wait a second, I've seen people praying and putting their little prayers at the wailing wall. Wasn't that part of the temple? Well, sort of. This is the wailing wall here in Jerusalem and you know what this wall actually was? 
a retaining wall, a foundation, a foundation for this temple. And even the Romans, with all of their anger and all of their intent desire to destroy the Jews, they destroy the temple and they get to the foundation, they're like, well, that's enough, you know, we're tired of this. And so for 2,000 years, this foundation has remained long after the building itself was destroyed. And so these foundations allow us to endure, allow us to continue. In introducing his kingdom, Jesus used two of these metaphors, rooted and grounded very early on. And maybe it wasn't just uh, metaphors, maybe we're also talking about similes, using like or as. In his very first recorded sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, if you turn to Matthew chapter 7, for example, Matthew chapter 7, we see that he uses this image of being grounded, of having a strong and firm foundation. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, at the end of this sermon, where he has challenged so many of the ideas of his day, he has toppled over so many of the false traditions of the scribes and Pharisees, what does he say at the end? Verse 24, therefore, Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus says, I have this authority, you must do these sayings of mine, and this will be the foundation upon which you build everything else, upon which you build your life in doing these sayings. Uh, this was one of the first songs that we taught uh, our girls, and I remember this song as far back as I can remember, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock, and it was always more fun because you got to, the, the foolish man built his house upon the sand and you did that, right? From an early age, we know we're supposed to have a foundation on the rock, on Christ and on the things that Christ teaches. But it's not just this grounded image that Jesus uses in his first sermon in his first recorded parable, if you turn over to Matthew chapter 13, and of course we can see these in Luke's gospel as well, other places. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus begins teaching in parables. And he talks about a sower who goes out to sow his seed in verses 3 through 9 and the different soils that these seeds fall on. And Jesus interprets the parable beginning in verse 18 of chapter 13. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, doesn't comprehend it, doesn't accept it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. Thus is he who received the seed by the wayside. So the seed doesn't have opportunity to do what? Put down roots. Verse 20, but he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but only endures for a little while. 
For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So this is external influences. And and roots are put down, but they're shallow. And, And so in moments of persecution and difficulty, when external problems arise, because they are not rooted, these people, even those who have accepted the word of God, they do not endure in these difficult times. And then in verse 22, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, uh, Luke adds, and the pleasures of life choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. So not enough time has been given for it to grow. All these other things are in his life. But then in verse 23, but he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understand it. Uh, Mark says he accepts it. Luke says he holds it fast. This is what I've been looking for. This is where I'm going to root my life. What happens? He indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. When we think about the images that Jesus used to introduce his kingdom, he used these images of being rooted and grounded. And it's not just a metaphor for the individual, that you and your life are supposed to be rooted and grounded, although that is true. It is also an image, metaphors for us as a collection of Christians, that we are to be rooted and grounded as well. Uh, Notice, again, just a couple of examples of that. Turn to John chapter 15, if you would. John chapter 15. And while Jesus is talking to the apostles... And this image specifically applies to the apostles. I think there's certainly application that can be made to us and all Christians as well. Notice what he says in using this rooted image, beginning in verse 1 of John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But not the vine... And not the roots, just these branches. If you do abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so so you will be my disciples. As disciples of Jesus, we all are supposed to be rooted in him, growing from him and bearing fruit in him. But we also see this image of being grounded. Go to the book of Ephesians, if you would. The book of Ephesians. Um, We're going to be just a little bit earlier. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 19. In describing the church, which unites Jew and Gentile together, this is what the Apostle Paul says. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, we learn later on in chapter 3, it's not these men themselves, but the word which they preached, the gospel which they proclaimed, 
And Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone of those things, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so we, as Christians, as the church, are supposed to be grounded in Christ and in His Word, and in this we can bear much fruit. We will no doubt discuss these passages as the year goes on, but I want us to focus our studies in four areas this year, and um, something that we've decided to do is to is to be a little bit more precise and focused when it comes to our congregational focus. That's appropriate, right? And so for each quarter, we're going to have a specific area of rooted and grounded upon which we will focus. And, and even if you're not going to be with us, I know we have a lot of visitors here, whether it's uh, in person or online. We're grateful for your presence. I think these four things can be extremely helpful to you as you think about the kind of person and the kind of Christian you want to be in 2023. So here is our quarterly emphasis uh, for each of the first three quarters as we think about being rooted and grounded. We want to be rooted and grounded in Christ, and Colossians talks about this. We want to be rooted and grounded in the faith, Colossians chapter 1 talks about that. And then in the third quarter, we're going to focus on being rooted and grounded in love, uh, and Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 that we read a moment ago talks about that. Now, uh, a great way and an easy way to remember these first three quarterly emphases, emphasis, to remember this emphasis in each quarter, just think about that passage in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may ultimately be who you are called to be. And so our focus for each of these quarters, in Christ, in the faith, and in love. And so let's just quickly look at each of those, then we'll make an application and the lesson will be yours. We want to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, and let's read a, a few verses over there. Colossians chapter 2. And I want you to see, part of the reason why I just looked at all three of these to begin with, I want you to see that these three things kind of come up in every one of these passages. Think back to the passages we've already read. Haven't we seen all three of those things about being rooted and grounded in these various descriptions of individual Christians and the church? Of course. And so too as we read here in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Let me get to the right chapter. Let's begin there in verse 1 together. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in, in what? In love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Well, there's all three things already, and yet we haven't even gotten to the rooted and grounded part in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up. There's both of the metaphors. We're rooted and we're built up on the foundation Rooted and built up in Him, in Christ. 
and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Being rooted in Christ, having that foundation is not something that should be restricting to us. It is something that should be freeing, something that we can abound in, as he says here uh, in the verse we just read. But then he tells us to beware, verse 8, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. How do we make sure nobody cheats us of, of what we can genuinely have in Jesus Christ? If we are rooted and grounded in Him. If we have this foundation of Him, that we know Him as He is, that we know Him as He truly is, that we see His clear example and the clear hope that He provides, the direction that He gives us by His own life, and the hope that He gives us by His sacrifice. If we're rooted and grounded in that way, then we're not going to be led, a, a, led astray by all of these things that are not according to Christ. There will be no deceit that will come upon us because we know Him. The traditions of men hold no appeal to us. The basic principles of this world are not the things that we're desiring because we're rooted and built up in Him. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. In this we find our purpose and our hope and our direction as Christians. So we are rooted and grounded in Christ. We're also rooted and grounded in the faith. Uh, look back and probably the same opening, it is on my Bible, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And begin reading with me in verse 19. Verse 23 is where we're headed. Be begin reading with me in verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, we, we remember we read in chapter 2 and verse 5 that we have to be steadfast in your faith. That's our personal faith, that we have to have faith in Christ, and we need to be steadfast in that. But when we're talking about being rooted and grounded, it's not your faith and my faith and everybody's personal individual faith that we're talking about. It is the faith. It is the gospel. It is the truth of Christ and his message that is being referred to. And that's what we see in chapter 2 and verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, in the gospel. And again, chapter 1 and verse 23, you continue in the faith. It is in this truth, in this faith, that we are to be rooted and grounded. And it provides us with a proper knowledge and understanding of God's way and God's will. But it can't end there. Even being rooted and grounded in Christ and in the faith, we must be rooted and grounded in love. So turn back to where we began, to the book of Ephesians in the third chapter. We won't read all of the verses we read earlier. Instead... 
Let's just read verses 17 through 19 together. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What a wonderful opportunity that we have to have this powerful motivation, to have this beautiful attitude that my life is rooted and grounded in genuine Christian love. We fulfill what God has shown us when we are rooted and grounded in that way. Now, these three roots, as you've already seen, are very closely related These three roots are so intertwined, I would suggest it's almost impossible to fully separate them. Uh, In fact, uh, the elders had a meeting where we discussed this uh, rooted and grounded congregational focus, and and I was specifically asking them, uh, you know, what order should we put this in? And we had toyed with all of it, and I think every different order that you could possibly had was suggested at some point in that meeting, you know, trying it on, what about this, what about that? We finally, uh, at the suggestion of one of the elders, said, well, why not just go with the order in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17? That's pretty hard to mess up. You just go with the order in the scripture, right? These three things clearly overlap and they intermingle. They each impact and affect the other two. And the intertwining of these three roots allows for greater strength when it comes to what we're building on top of it. Um, Pop quiz. What is the tallest of all of God's living organisms? The tallest of all of God's living organisms. Do you know? It's not some great dinosaur But instead, it's the redwoods and the sequoias, the great trees of the West Coast. Some of you have seen these trees. They can grow taller than the Statue of Liberty, uh, over 300 and something feet. They can live for thousands of years. And I remember when I was growing up being taught, maybe it was natural science in seventh grade or something, I remember always being taught that when you look at a tree, you're only seeing half of it, right? That there's a mirror image underneath. And so as big and as tall and as wide as the tree is, what do you have under the ground? Roots that go down that far and spread out at least that wide. Sometimes the roots are even larger than the tree itself. But something really fascinating is that's not exactly the way the sequoias and the redwoods work. Did you know this? Instead of going deep, deep, deep into the ground, oftentimes the roots of these giant trees, hundreds of feet into the air only go down between 6 and 12 feet. And what they do is they spread. They spread out in each direction. And what are they looking for as they spread? Well, they're looking for nutrients. They're looking for water. But they're also looking for other roots. And what allows these trees to be so tall and not fall over and to stand there for thousands of years is that their roots intermingle with one another. And all of the trees are made stronger by their combined roots. Now, there's obviously application that could be made to one another, and that was last year's congregational focus, better together, and yes, that could be made. Uh, But not to mix my metaphors, I want to make application to what we're talking about this morning. That these three roots, think about how powerful these roots are uh, in Christ, in the faith, in love, 
These three roots, think about how powerful each of those are individually, but the reality is their true power is when they're all connected together. When these three things are intertwined with one another in our lives, that's when we are truly rooted and grounded with one another. Um, I think maybe sometimes people think that they can have one or two of these roots without having all three. People try and do that at the very least, whether they think that or not, right? Aren't there some people who try and have Christ without the faith? They try and have Christ. Yeah, I like the idea of Christ. Oh, baby Jesus in the manger. That sounds awesome. Let's celebrate that. But, but trying to say he was full of grace and truth. I like the grace part, but, but the truth part. I think there are a lot who say, well, I want Christ, but you know, I don't really want the faith. And I, I think the reality is there are some people out there who love the idea of truth, black and white. You know, the faith. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the pattern. This is what we got to follow but that means I gotta love people, I gotta love my brother, I gotta love my enemy. I think there's some people who don't want to have both of those. You know, yeah, the truth is awesome. That's our foundation. And yet the Bible is just as explicit that love is supposed to be as well. And and we know, of course, that there's some people who love the idea of love. Don't define it, but I love the idea of it, right? And so I want this foundation of love and everything that I do and everything that I say. But never mind that that love is supposed to be defined in God's terms according to the faith. And never mind that Christ is the ultimate example of that love. And so I can talk about love all I want to, but until I accept Christ into my life, I can never truly know or express love as it truly is. And so what's required of us to be rooted and grounded is to have all three of these foundations, all three of these roots intermingled. So, like these great trees, what is the purpose of all this foundational work? The foundation and roots are the most important parts of the building or of the plant, but they cannot be where things end for us. A foundation with nothing on it really doesn't help you much, does it? It doesn't provide warmth in the winter. It doesn't provide shade from the sun. It's a good start, but it's not much of a finish. Do you remember, speaking of the temple, do you remember when the children of Israel came back from captivity? What was one of the very first things they did? They laid a foundation for the temple. And then they quit building. And God had to send prophets Haggai, Zechariah, who came and said, what you started, you need to complete. And maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we truly have these foundations and these roots, this is what we'll do. But this is what's required of us, and this is where we will focus in the fourth quarter of this year. And that's not to say we won't talk about all of these things at different points, but this is where we will focus our efforts. That we are rooted and grounded in these three things so that we might build and we might bear fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 20 talks about the importance of bearing fruit and by our fruits, that is how we will be known. This is the action we are seeking to take and the outcome we are seeking to achieve, to, to build and to build one another up, to be built by others, to bear much fruit in service to the Lord. And as I said, that will be our focus for the fourth quarter. And so as we consider these things, um, I want us to make application not just to what we're going to be doing over the course of this year, but to this morning and to right now. Maybe you need to lay the foundation of these things in your life. Maybe you've never come to Christ. 
Maybe you don't know Him. Maybe you're not in Him. Maybe you've not put Him on in baptism. Maybe you've not responded to the truth of the gospel and the love that God has shown you. Maybe you haven't shown in return to Him or in turn to others. And maybe what you need to do this morning is to come and make your life right with Christ. But I would, I would bet, if I were a betting man, that most of the people here are already Christians. How does this apply to us this morning today? Well, maybe, and I don't know, but you can look in your own life, maybe your foundation was once strong. But over the course of time, with changes in the soil, be that the hardships or temptations of life, that strong foundation, that deep rooting system has begun to shift and strain and crack and give out. Some of your roots maybe have been pulled up where you don't have that same foundation. And maybe your foundation feels like with all this shifting and strain in your Christian life that it's just not as strong as what it used to be. Well, that's the great thing about foundations, isn't it? And roots for that matter. Roots can grow back. Foundations can be repaired. And I know that from personal experience. Uh, the first house that we owned here in Lufkin, I, I learned about this awesome, terrible thing called gumbo soil. And apparently that's something that's really common around here. And so after we'd lived in our house for a few years, we started to see cracks everywhere. And we had somebody come out and look at it. And sure enough, our foundation needed to be repaired. And after extensive work, it was. But unfortunately, we had already started remodeling the house as we went. And so what had to happen? All of those, all that drywall work that we had done had to be redone. All the painting that we did had to be touched up. All the floors that we laid, there were places where we had to pull it up and put it back down. There were repairs that had to be made because the foundation was not what it should have been, not what it needed to have been. But the house wasn't doomed. After the foundation was repaired, then everything within the house could be repaired as well because we got it back to the place with the foundation where it was supposed to be to begin with. And so here's the application I want to make. It's the first of the year. Have we said that yet? Instead of living this year with a cracked foundation, trying to fix everything else in the house, trying to build but constantly breaking down, may I encourage you to fix the foundation first? We are all kind of in the middle of a remodel in our Christian lives making ourselves into who it is God has called us to be, conforming ourselves to the image of His Son. And for that remodel to be successful, it must begin with these foundations. And we can change all of the things on the inside of the house. We can fix all the cracks in the drywall, but until the foundation is fixed, they'll keep showing up. And so maybe with you, maybe you have New Year's resolutions and things that you wish that you would like to change in your life, things that you wish were different in your life. But if you change those things in some sort of superficial way, fix all the cracks in the drywall, if you will, but your foundation isn't what you ought to, ought it, isn't what it ought to be, then the results are never going to be what you seek. The issues that you're having will keep showing up until the foundation is fixed. But, and this is the great part, if you can be rooted and grounded in Christ and in the faith, 
and in love, those three, then you can build and you can bear fruit and you can be who God has called you to be. Are you ready? Are you ready to begin that this morning? Then come now, while together we stand and while we sing. Oh, will you tell from Sinai?